Isaiah 53, and it's page 893, page 893 in the Bible, or my Bible, Isaiah 53, and verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and Jehovah hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. And in the New Testament, in the first epistle to the Thessalonians, and it's page 1427, first epistle to the Thessalonians, page 1427, chapter 1, and the middle of verse 9, where it says, And how ye turned to God from idols, to serve a living and true God, and to await his Son from the heavens, whom he raised from among the dead, Jesus, our Deliverer from the coming wrath. There are two turnings in these scriptures. Firstly, a turning in the wrong direction. We all know about that. And secondly, a turning in the right direction. A turning where the focus of attention is on the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, if you'd met some of the persons in the that the Lord Jesus came in contact with in the Gospels and said to them, what was it that changed your life? What was the turning point in your life? For instance, if you met the man who had lived in the tombs by name of Legion, and said, what was it that turned your life around? He would say the turning point was Christ. And similarly with Mary of Magdala, out of whom he cast seven demons, one day, one day, she came in contact with the man of Isaiah 53. And that day, meeting Christ turned her life around. I want to speak about the Lord Jesus as a turning point. I've quoted these two examples from the old, from of old, from the Gospels. But there are modern day examples as well. I recently came across the story about a Japanese pilot, Mitsu Fujita. Well, I don't suppose you say it like that in Japanese, but he was the pilot, the commander who led the Japanese Air Force in the attack at Pearl Harbor and secured a tremendous victory for Japan, having destroyed several of the Navy, the American Navy, and as a result had killed many American sailors. And returning, he was hailed as a hero by his countrymen. And so it was till the end of the war. But that same man was enraged when the Japanese surrendered and, uh, to the Allies. He said they should have fought to the end. He was further enraged when he heard the criticism of how Japanese had handled or treated 
the soldiers that they soldiers that they had taken prisoner. And so enraged was he about this, he thought that he would carry out a survey of Japanese soldiers who had been taken prisoner by the Allies and see how they were treated. And he was totally shocked that almost without fail they said that they'd been treated well and that especially one young woman had given them food, given them supplies. Uchida, like all the Japanese, grew up with the moral or the motto, hate your enemies. And here was a young woman who had expressed a love for her enemies. And some of the Japanese prisoners had inquired of her what her story was. And she said, well, her parents had been missionaries in Japan. And they'd been captured and taken prisoner. And condemned to be executed. And just before the execution was carried out, they were heard to pray, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And this young woman was just seeking to reflect the same disposition of her parents towards the prisoners. He couldn't understand this. How could you act like that towards enemies? And going down the street one day in a city in Japan, someone handed him a gospel tract. He read it, read it again and again, and decided he would get a Bible. And he started to read the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, until they came to Luke 23 and to that verse. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He was totally broken down, and shortly after that he yielded his soul and his life to Christ. He became a preacher, preached throughout the world, telling the good news concerning the Lord Jesus, and telling about the turning point in his life. It's important that each of us re-establish or just revise the moment when he, the Lord Jesus, became the turning point in our lives. I trust he has become the turning point in our lives. The man of Isaiah 53. What a chapter this is, you know. Portraying the, the Lord Jesus, looking forward to the Lord Jesus, and this was many years before the Lord Jesus stood on this earth. Portraying his youth, how he grew up. Telling us of how he was despised and left alone. Just before we, the verse we read, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With the stripes we are healed. You know, one day, Israel 
realize that the one that they rejected and crucified at Calvary's cross is the true Messiah. But tonight in the Gospel, I would say that this one who was wounded, who bore our griefs and carried our sorrows, and was bruised, not just the Messiah, he's the Saviour for the sinner. What does it then say? All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. That was a turning that we have all made. A deliberate turning. You go back to chapter 3 of Genesis. Where man was placed in such congenial circumstances by the Creator. And what did he decide to do? He decided to turn to his own way. And we all like to turn to our own way. And that's where the gospel finds us. As sinners before God. As persons who have turned to our own way. And yet this verse is in the middle of a chapter which portrays a man who didn't turn this way or that way. Who turned, who was dictated to by God's will. And coming here to carry out God's will and fulfill it. He laid a basis where the sheep, you and I, that had turned to our own way, might be rescued. And all the iniquity that fell on us in the way that we had taken, all that was, that iniquity God laid upon him, upon the Lord Jesus. Any exceptions to this? Any exceptions to what I'm speaking of? All, all, no exceptions. Whatever age, whatever colour, whatever nationality, all we like sheep have gone astray. This verse has been drawn on many times. We have turned everyone to his own way. And Jehovah hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. The sad thing was that in turning to our own way and finding ourselves in the way of sin, we could do nothing to help ourselves. Nothing at all. Nobody could be found to stand and mediate between the sinner and his God until God provided the mediator himself, the one upon whom he laid the burden of sin at Calvary's cross. The focus of the gospel must take us at some point to Calvary and there we discover that the burden of sin, not just our sins, but the root of sin, the judgment of that was poured out at Calvary's cross upon the Lord Jesus. Not on you and I who deserved it, but on the Lord Jesus. Jehovah hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. We all get into the first all, as has been well said in the past, because we're all sinners. We get into the second all, the last all, and we appreciate that that work at Calvary was done for me, it was done for you. The work that was done must be claimed. Claim my faith in order that the work of Calvary 
and the blessing that flows from it can be yours and mine. And then stretching out by faith and accepting that he, he stood there, he bore the judgment due to you and I. By faith we can be counted righteous before God. But we cannot boast of what we have done to secure that. Any boasting must be in the one who suffered and bore God's judgment at Calvary's cross. I commend this one verse to you. The chapter is so beautiful. We, we see the Lord Jesus before his enemies, saying not a word. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, he opened not his mouth, led a lamb to, as a lamb to the slaughter, and was as a sheep dumb before his shearers. He opened not his mouth. This was the person that the man called Legion in the Gospels met. This was the person that Mary of Magdala met. This was the person that Fuchida met. Is it the person that you have met and come to know? Further on it says, yet, and this is one of the most solemn verses of the chapter, verse 10, yet it pleased Jehovah to bruise him. He has subjected him to suffering. And thou shalt make a soul an offering for sin. Three aspects of his suffering. Bruised by Jehovah. Subjected him to suffering when his soul has made an offering for sin. Then the answer. He shall see a seed. He shall prolong his days. The pleasure of Jehovah shall prosper in his hand. Dear friend, as we sit here tonight in the preaching, there's no doubt We've sat many times. What do you really think about the Lord Jesus? What do you really feel about him? He's given us all for you. How much have you given for him? How much commitment in your life have you made to Christ? That's how I leave this scripture. A turning that we made of our own turning away from God, turning away into a way of sin. And every man from Adam onward has taken that route. And the way out of that turning is to come to appreciate the man upon whom Jehovah laid the iniquity of us all. The turning in Thessalonians, <coughs> you know, the writer of this letter, spent three Sabbath days there announcing about Christ, telling how he had been among them and how he had suffered, how he had died, how he had risen again. And such was the dramatic effect of Paul's preaching amongst them that it says they turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God. What a turning that is. Now, none of us worship wooden or stone idols. That's what it would have been in these days where Thessalonica would have been at many idols. But we have our own idols, if we're honest. And the way that we can turn from these idols is to find Christ as the turning point. How ye turn to God from idols 
to serve a living and true God. What a contrast. There he is, persons hearing the gospel for the first time and turning away from a, 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 a life of sin, a life away from God, turning to God to serve a living and true God. But there's more. And to await his son from the heavens whom he raised from among the dead, Jesus, our deliverer from the coming wrath. The focus of the glad tidings is to draw our attention and fix our attention on one person, the Lord Jesus. But he's not here. Where is he gone? Having broken death's power, he rose from the grave, he's seated at God's right hand. The challenge is, am I amongst those who have turned from idols to serve a living and true God and to wait his son from the heavens. Am I really waiting for the Lord Jesus to come? I've said it before, but the Christians in the 1800s, they often had on their walls, he may come today. I wonder if I've thought about that today, that the Lord Jesus might come today. This is the force of turning away when we come to Christ, that we have a new outlook. And that outlook is a man in the glory to await his son from the heavens, whom he raised from among the dead. Who is he? Jesus. That glorious person who was here, <coughs> doing good and healing those who were oppressed by the devil, touching lives and changing them as no one else could. Jesus, our deliverer, on the coming wrath, this world goes on as if it will go on and on and on. Scripture tells me that the judgment of the world is coming. In fact, the Lord Jesus, when he was here, said, now is the judgment of the world. But that judgment is held up. We're in the day of grace, the time when God's grace is holding up the judgment. But that this world will feel the wrath of God is very certain from the word of Scripture. And through it all, there's a person waiting to receive persons to rescue them out of the coming wrath, the coming judgment. The secret to it all is to find the Lord Jesus as a turning point. Let him be a turning point in our lives, in our daily lives, in every aspect of our life, that the thrust of our lives as having been delivered and rescued by the work of Christ, the thrust of our lives, let it be that we are serving the living and true God and waiting patiently for His Son from the heavens. That was my simple message. May God bless it to each of us. Amen.